On this week's episode of Cultivating Her Space. The words I live my life by are looking at the lens of why is this happening for me versus why is this happening to me? The why is this happening to me is very victim. It's very trapped. Whereas why is this happening for me means that even those not so easy moments, there's a growth opportunity. There's something there. So that's really helped me reframe and always see a path forward and growth orientation. Today's episode is sure to provide you with motivation, inspiration, or a fresh perspective. If you have any aha moments or appreciate anything from this episode, please leave us a review to let us know we're on the right track. Also, we release episodes every Friday, so be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit cultivatingherspace.com to access our exclusive after show and other bonus content from the Patreon tab. Welcome to Cultivating Her Space, a podcast dedicated to uplifting women like you. We're your hosts, Dr. Dominique Broussard, a college professor and psychologist, and Terry Lomax, a techie and motivational speaker. In a world where Black women are often misrepresented and misunderstood, please join us as we initiate authentic conversations on everything from fibroids to fake friends and create a safe space where Black women can just be. Hey lady, it's Dr. Dom here from the Cultivating Her Space podcast. Are you currently a resident of the state of California? and contemplating starting your therapy journey? Well, if so, please reach out to me at drdominiquebroussard.com. That's D-R-D-O-M-I-N-I-Q-U-E-B-R-O-U-S-S-A-R-D.com to schedule a free 15-minute consultation. I look forward to hearing from you. Okay, lady, you already know we have a special guest today and I am so excited. I'm going to try my best to contain my energy because today's guest is not only a good friend, but also an advisor and someone who is in my chosen family who I love dearly. So I'm so excited that Dom and I get to share Gurian with you once again on the podcast. Gurian has walked me through countless trying situations where I experienced fear and has also celebrated in many blessings in my life as well. So Let's jump on in. Gurian Tai is an experienced leadership coach, workshop facilitator, and communications strategist. She created her company, Forage, because she's dedicated to helping people shift their relationship with fears to one of allyship. Gurian created a model on how to identify and live your why or purpose through accessing your fear. She's a recurring speaker at Stanford for the Stockholm School of Economics Executive MBA program. She's a published author. She's been on a variety of podcasts. And there's so much more that we can say about Gurian, but we're going to let you hear it from her words. Gurian, welcome back to Cultivating Her Space. Thank you. I am so excited to be here with you guys today. So thank you for inviting me back. You're so welcome. And we are looking forward to this conversation. It's such an important one that we're going to have today. And our quote of the day comes from you, Gurian. These are your words. Our quote of the day. Fear is telling you where to apply courage. 
I'm going to say that one more time for the folks in the back so that they really hear it. Fear is telling you where to apply courage. Green, when you hear your words spoken back to you, what comes up? Give us some context behind this quote. Yeah, so one of my favorite lines is fear is courage unrealized. And what I mean by that is if you think about any decision that you've made that asked of you your courage, the moment before it, you were probably in fear. They, I see them as kind of being opposite sides of the same coin. And so oftentimes our fear is really calling us forth as to where to apply our courage to. And so I don't see them as being separate things. I see them as being connected. One just kind of has us paralyzed in that moment before. And the other is when we exhale and move into it. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Korean. And we had you on the show on season three, episode nine. This is back before we changed our podcast name, right? Season three, we're on season 21 now. And so the episode <laughs> that lady you'll want to check out is called how to Make Fear Your Greatest Teacher with Korean Thai. And on that episode, we talked about fear, of course, but we also talked about different scenarios. And so Korean walked through different scenarios with us and gave some insight on how to respond. But today, Korean, we want to dig in a little bit deeper and kind of shift gears, right? So much has happened since those, you know, that time period when we recorded. So can you tell us your origin story? How did you become the Korean Thai that we see today? You can feel free Absolutely. to take us wherever you want to take us. <laughs> yeah. So I was born in San Francisco, one of the few that I've met anyway. I've lived a few other places, but the Bay always pulls me back. So I am still here. Let's see. I started out in the communications arena. So everything you could put a relations after, public, analyst, investor, influencer. And what it really did was it led me to people. I love people. I find them fascinating. I was chief culture officer for a while. And I'd say I'm also really service-oriented. I, I want to make the world a better place. And I always have. And it's taken different forms in my life. And so I started working for companies that had these huge moonshot ideas that really did want to change the world. And I kept having to resigning, or I kept having to resign, excuse me, because leaders weren't in integrity. And I got really tired of quitting. And so I decided to reverse engineer the process and figure out what kept leaders from being in integrity. And I found fear to be one of those things. So I, I went through a coach's training, leadership development training, and kind of set out on my own path to look at fear specifically, not just coaching as a whole. And that's kind of where I find myself today. Thank you for sharing that. And when you, when you think about how you got to that space, right? And this is a conversation about fear. And we've noted that, or you directly said that fear is usually telling us where we need to apply courage. What were some of the fears that came up for you when you realized, I can't keep doing this the way that I am? Oh, what were some? Where did that end? You know, I heard an interesting quote the other day. It said, all research is me-search. Yeah. So I chose fear because of the amount of fear that I have, not because I didn't have any. And so fear has been really prevalent in my life. And I think I had to find a way of being with it so that I could engage it differently. And I just think it's so rich with information. So 
you know, whether it be fears of my own livelihood and survival. In this case, I'll give you a for instance, though, in addition to being very passionate about my work, what are some of my core values are autonomy and flexibility, which don't really go hand in hand if you're working for somebody else. So part of that was actually calling towards my greater truth of how do I build something on my own? And so, but that doesn't present that way at first present, first presents, oh my God, how am I going to make it? How am I going to survive? Is this who you can call yourself a fear technician and make a business out of that? I mean, so yeah, there, there were a lot of fears when I got going. Absolutely. And continue today. That's so beautiful. I'm glad that you said that, Gurian, because I think a lot of times, I know initially when I was exploring fear in my life, I thought it was just like a place where I would stop, right? Like, it's like, oh, I'm afraid to have this conversation with this person. Let me disengage and remove myself so that I don't need to do the the thing that I, you know, that I'm afraid to do. So I love that you're saying fear is just telling us where to apply courage. Just kind of going back to that quote. When you think about the perspective that we should approach fear in order, that we should approach fear with in order to have a healthier understanding and relationship with it, you talked a little bit about it and we kind of talked about it with the quote of the day. Can you dig in a little bit more into that? And maybe either give some real life examples or just give us more about the perspective we should have when we feel that fear. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of some of the language I'm pretty anti is overcoming fear, conquering fear. I'll explain why. One, we have a fear center in our brain. It's literally wired into our brain. It's our amygdala. Now we have that for survival. And Terry, you were just talking about that response and avoiding. This is fight, flight, or freeze. I mean, this is, and again, this is wired into our systems. So I don't really think it's about overcoming fear. If we can form a healthy relationship with it, then we might be able to mine it for the information that it has for us. And so the first thing is actually doing what you just said, Terry, but pausing and turning towards it. We want to get curious because I believe at its best, fear is our teacher, our ally. It's an informer of what matters most to us, of where we want to grow. But if we're not turning towards it to get curious, we couldn't begin to understand what information it has for us. So now, for instance, like if I notice my fear come up, one tool that I found to be helpful is levity. Fear can be pretty serious. We fear fear, we fear pain. So when fear comes up now, kind of like, oh, you're showing, okay, why are you here? And I can just change the tone so that, and we can get into it, I can give some tools, but how then you can actually turn towards it effectively. Hey lady, it's Terry here. Dom and I want to take a moment to thank you for choosing to listen to our podcast. We love you for real, and we want to give you a chance to learn more about what's important to us. So tell us what you think about this. Imagine a world where you have a chance to get featured on the Cultivating Her Space podcast and share your business, brand, or perspective with millions around the globe. Imagine joining our monthly virtual video check-ins where you can connect with like-minded Black women like you and share your ideas and episode suggestions with Terry and I. Now I want you to imagine a world where you're in the exclusive Cultivating Her Space Sanctuary Slack channel and throughout your day and week, you are conversing with us about what's happening in your life and sharing funny gifts and your personal wins. How does that sound? Hopefully this is up your alley, lady, because we are taking things to the next level this year and we're doubling down on investing in our community. That means you. Yay! We want to meet you, connect with you, and create communities of genuine women who love on Black women and push our culture and movement forward. 
We launched this podcast in 2019, and to date, we have not missed a week. We've been great stewards of our platform, all while working full-time and navigating our own ups and downs. We release fresh new content every single Friday, like clockwork, and we have hundreds of valuable episodes and workshops that can really help you up-level your life. So if you love our mission or you've gotten value from us, we invite you to give back and help us push this community effort forward. Visit herspacepodcast.com and click Patreon. You can learn more about our goals and exclusive offerings on Patreon. And we highly, highly encourage you to join the Sister Frontier so that you can get some one-on-one time with us. We also have an option for you to donate on a one-time basis if that meets your needs. Again, herspacepodcast.com and you can click that link that says Patreon. All right, lady. We'll hop right back into the conversation. Well, I mean, since we're here, hey, you kind of mentioned it already. Like, <laughs> what what are some of the tools that would allow us to turn to fear and lean into the fear more effectively? Yeah. So first, let's just start with the baseline of that rational. So rational fear is meant to protect us. That's why we have the fear center. And rational fear means that your survival in the present moment that you find yourself in is being threatened. Irrational fears tend to live in the future tense. They're the what-if scenarios that most of us are running all day long. Uh, If we don't train our brains to respond differently, they're going to react the same way. They're going to avoid it. They're going to walk the other way. They're not going to look. They're going to meet it with resistance. And so the first, the greatest asset we have is our self-awareness. We are, it's crazy, but we can observe our thoughts while we're having them, if we start to practice that. So bringing your self-awareness to to note, like, what are the stories you're telling yourself? What are those scenarios that you're running? I find the two most important questions to ask yourself is, what is true? And what am I telling myself is true? What is true is probably based in that present moment. What am I telling myself is true is fueling that future-based thinking which is then perpetuate. The thing is, if we start to perpetuate that story, we actually end up bringing forth the very thing that we end up fearing. So where we put our attention grows. So really want to be mindful about, about mindset. Another thing, if you find yourself on loop, because many of us have practiced self-critical and fear-based thinking for so many times, I like to use what I call nexting, which just means next, next, next. Next, you say the thought and you just say next until you break the loop. Then you can actually turn towards it, ask yourself those questions, get back into the present moment so you can actually determine, okay, what is true? And, and you might need more information. You might need help. There's, there's a number of places you can go from there. But first, just distinguishing between what is actually true in this moment and what story you're telling yourself about a future moment is really helpful starting point. I'm just processing. Okay, so just a quick side note. Gareed and I have sessions, right? One-on-one sessions where we're working through different things in my life. And I feel like I'm processing, Gareed, like what you're saying. Like we're in this session. I'm like, wait, this is an interview. So I'm like, wait, there's a qu- I have to ask more questions. Okay, so don't mind my, don't mind the silence here. But Gareed, if you can just talk a bit about maybe some of the misconceptions about fear. Like we, I feel like you talked about a few, but like misconceptions about fear or Maybe some of the things that you notice when you're working with clients or organizations and it comes to fear, like 
how it's showing up. So maybe someone might be listening right now and they're like, well, I don't really have a lot of fear, but then you might give an example where it's like, wait a minute, this is actually stemming from a fear. So does that bring up anything within you on some additional context you could give us around that? Sure. You know, fears are also basically insecurities. It shows up a lot as like imposter syndrome in the work environment. Somebody might not feel like they want to contribute their voice. And there's a fear of rejection. And so it can it can show up a lot of ways. I mean, I think mis- misconceptions is that fear is a, is a bad thing. I think, you know, pretty young, we're taught to fear fear and fear pain. And I actually think if we can, let me put it this way. So fear is not going to learn our language. But if we learn the language of fear, then we can actually kind of create that bridge. Because I don't know that anything does its job better than fear. All fear is meant to do is protect us. So if we're in our comfort zone, fear knows how to do that. Once we set up, step outside of our comfort zone, which is where all of our growth and creativity happen, fear doesn't know how to protect us there. So it's going to start to get louder, right? Right before you get there, it's probably going to get its loudest, which we're now all trained to go away from. But if we can actually know that like, oh, the fear is getting louder because I'm moving in the right direction. It's a whole, it's a massive reframe. But yeah, I think companies, I work with a lot of leadership teams that avoid looking at really important information because of that fear. So I like to take people exactly, I mean, I often say it like shine the flashlight onto the shadows, but if you bring light to it, the shadows kind of dissipate. Well, okay. I think as you were saying that, something that immediately came up for me is around a lot of DEI work mm-hmm. that companies are having expressing fear around. And we don't have to necessarily dive into that per se. We don't have to do a deep dive. But when you think about the work that you're doing with companies, what are some of the fears that you're noticing that leaders are experiencing? Yeah, I mean, what you're speaking to is a is a very strong one. I don't think I think there's a lot of organizations that know that they want to do something and they don't know what to do. Um, And even admitting that they don't know what to do is a fear. And so they'll put policies in place without actually understanding what is important and how they can go about doing that and what that actually takes to roll out in an organization and how to involve from recruiting all the way through to HR, through to executive training. There's so many pieces. Right. But again, I think a lot of times people move so quickly in the fear of wanting to be seen a certain way, that they're falling in line, that there's not a lot of strategic time spent understanding the why. When Terry introduced me, you know, she had mentioned that it's a lot. It's it's not fear for fear's sake. It's really fear for what's the purpose? What's the intentionality? What's the truth? Where are we trying to get? I feel like fear has more information to show you what is true. It might not, it might mean it's messy or uncomfortable to go there. But so in that case, understanding what, what do you, what are you clear about? Where do you need help? Where do you need insight from a DEI specialist? If that's not, if that doesn't exist in your company so that you can really understand how to recruit for train and promote in a way that actually supports your, your initiatives. So to me, it really requires looking at the places that people often don't want to admit that they need to look at. Oh, that is a whole word right there, Gorian. Okay, 
So when we were thinking about what we wanted to talk to you about, we were looking at, you know, crafting different episode titles to kind of help guide the conversation and ground us. And so the title that the working title that we have right now is The Peaceful Coexistence with Fear, Keys to Serenity in Turbulent Times. And I'm just thinking about where we are in the world, right? Like such a wild time. We have so many, you know, there's so many good things that are happening in the world, so many, so many ways in which we're progressing as a culture and as a people. And then there are some really dark things happening, right? When we think about war, when we think about the upcoming election, right? I think about just the stress and the fear that I have living in this country, you know, a lot of times. And so if we could just talk through Korean, this next phase that we're going to be going through as a country, and I'm sure the world is also going through things, but just kind of narrowing in on the United States currently, because we're all living here. What are some keys to serenity that we can begin to adopt during these turbulent times when it feels like there is a lot that is out of our control? but it's going to be happening regardless. And I, I personally don't want to be, you know, going to and fro like the wind as this next season begins. So like, what are some tips that we can employ? Yeah, thanks for, it's a really important question. And all the more <laughs> why we need to understand the difference between rational and irrational fear. Because if we don't, and in this time, it's very easy for, for it to get blurred and for our system to be running in fear all the time. So before I go you know, zoom in. Let me zoom out for a minute. So fear has been used by businesses, government, like this is not new. Fear is the most powerful and free, by the way, way of, of manipulating and controlling people. So, and, and scarcity thinking is built into, well, capitalism might have some benefits. You know, think of consumerism. It's based on the fact that you're not enough of X, but if you buy this product, you will be. So we have lack-based thinking constantly running through our systems. And again, what's going on in our country right now, in many places in the world, is propagating more and more fear. And so one thing I like to ask myself is, is this fear mine? Fear is contagious. It's really, it spreads really quickly. And so sometimes when you're noting that you feel like you're in fear, you have some anxiety, just take a pause. Pause. Pausing is one of the most powerful things I think we can do. Take a breath, come back to that moment and ask yourself, is this fear? There might be fear-based storylines running out there. There might be true things to be fearful of. And do you need to carry it in that moment? In that present moment, are you being, is your survival being impacted by it? So that's one way of understanding. If you do find yourself to be in fear, let me give you a few access points, what I kind of think of as gateways to move from fear to... So when we're in fear, as I mentioned before, you're in your amygdala, which is your fear center of the brain. It's the home of fight, flight, and freeze. When we're in our prefrontal cortex, this is the home of connection, decision-making, and empathy, and curiosity. And there are ways of actually moving neurologically from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex. And so three that I most commonly work with my clients are curiosity, gratitude, and purpose. All of these show neural activity in your prefrontal cortex when you're happening there. So again, those questions I posed earlier, curiosity, what's true? What am I telling myself is true? We can't be in fear and curious at the same time. So if you actually step into curiosity, that's one way that you can back. Even asking yourself, is this fear mine? Gratitude, I know it's been thrown around a lot, become a bit of a buzzword. And 
There's a lot of science that supports the power of gratitude. And the thing is, your brain doesn't know what you're grateful for. So you don't have to be grateful for the hardship that you might be in in that moment. You can be grateful for a friend. You can be grateful for your health. You can be grateful for whatever it is that you have your breath that can bring you back to this present moment. And purpose, I love this saying, it's called, my why is bigger than I. So oftentimes, whether you're in a conversation with a friend in that hard conversation, Terry, or whether you're working on something creative, when what you're doing it for matters more than you, all of a sudden that fear dissipates a little bit. And so it's really bringing that intentionality in. So the first thing to kind of do that again, first this understanding, is this a rational fear? Is this my fear? What's happening? And then how can I actually move into this fear to see what it's telling me, to see what information it has? Oh, those are some powerful steps. And, you know, as you were talking, something that came up for me was the idea that sometimes our fears are not our own, right? And I think about like these, these times that we are living in and a lot of the fear that many of us experience is not related to or not they're not our fears how does one know the difference between this fear is mine versus this fear was put on me this is someone else's fear that i'm holding on to right well, so first, I think it's actually posing that question, is this fear mine? Getting curious and turning in. If, if you're uncertain, then I think it's time to ask some more questions. Is this impacting my daily? Is this impacting somebody that I care about? Is this showing me that I care about something that I didn't realize that I cared about? I mean, it's, it's kind of a truth-finding mission, I think, because if it is just, if it, is, if it isn't yours, then maybe it's telling you, hey, maybe you've taken in enough news for today. Is the way that you're taking in news actually serving you or is it contributing to anxiety and not helping you? There's, whenever there's fear, I feel like there's information to be had. So the more we practice understanding why it's showing up, then the more we can answer that. And the reason why I can't give you more specific answer, John, is because we're all, we're very similar and we're all a little different. Right. So it's going to look a little different on each of us. But what it is, is, I mean, fear is showing us that something we care about is getting triggered. So something we care about might be being threatened. And if it's not that, then I, again, I ask you to question is the practice that I'm doing right now, which might mean watching the news, which might mean what is this serving me? Is this informing me in a way that I can make better decisions? Or is this just, detracting away at my system. Ooh, this is so good. I'm taking notes as we're doing this. And I, I think what's standing out for me most, Korean, is the practice of breathing, which we've talked about recently, especially breathing, also pausing to ask yourself the questions. Because I know, I, I find that when I am feeling fearful or I'm taking something personally or there's something that's going on outside of me, my initial reaction sometimes is like I, I can feel my insides like heat up. I can feel this, this desire to just respond right away. And so I love the breathing and the pausing. And in my personal experiences, I've often observed a frequent connection between navigating fear and managing my energy levels, whether that's like my physical energy, my spiritual energy. And so 
How do you believe the management of one's energy influences their approach to navigating fear? You know, I think, Carrie knows this well about me, I think so much comes down to energy. And I think that if we're unaware of our relationship with energy, then we are unaware of how much it's impacting us. And so noticing, I mean, I like to use the notion, if if you've ever worked with a pendulum, this is something that you can hold in your hand and you can ask for a yes or a no, it moves a certain way. So I like the notion of actually using your body like a pendulum. So is this a yes? Is this filling me up? Is, is, my, is my body relaxed? Am I sensing tension? Is my body locking down? Am I not breathing? Like our bodies have all our information for us and it's going to show you where you want to expand into what is a no. Even if we don't know that, like cognitively understand why it's a no, the more we can start to pay attention to our bodies, the energy in our body, the energy around. I mean, think about it. It's pretty great. They talk about the five senses. You know when someone's staring at you when they're behind you. That's energy, right? So an energy, we don't talk about it a lot and it's so powerful because I think energy actually can help us move into abundant thinking, can help us move into greater consciousness, which doesn't go hand in hand with how fear has been used to divide us. So, um, so yeah, so I think energy, I would, I could do a whole conversation around energy, but I think it's really a beautiful place to start to bring your attention to. Thank you for pointing, for pointing that out. And, you know, as we are talking about managing one's energy and how this can influence our approach to fear, Brian, what are practices that you recommend for like rejuvenating our spiritual energy, like especially in the context of dealing with fear? So like what, yeah, what practices would you recommend? Yeah. So whether or not you do a meditation practice, there are certain things I do in my morning meditation practice. Now, you don't need to meditate to be doing these for whatever reason and meditating isn't your thing. I find grounding to be an incredibly powerful exercise. Now, grounding could just be, if you're sitting in a seat, it could just be feeling your seat, like your, your ass on the chair, really just grounding in, feeling your feet on the floor, connecting to the earth. A couple of other ones I find really protect, like to me, I mean, I'm working with people in fear all day. So I do a lot of clearing. Now, clearing might be, I might be burning sage or Palo Santo, spraying rose water. It might just be the intention of like, have I picked up something that wasn't mine? Because if I'm in service to people, I'm working and a lot of stuff that's hit. And, and boy, do I want to be with them in that moment. But if there's remnants energetically, I don't want to carry that. And they didn't mean for me to carry that. That's not why we had that moment. So I just ask, hey, if there's anything in my space that isn't mine, I'm going to clear that out. Similarly, before I start my day, I almost imagine like a sphere around me, about eight feet above, below, behind, around my sides. And I put up protection. All of this is the power of intention. And intention, I believe, is the home of energy. And so I think we can intend, you can intend to be grounded, which helps you be present. It helps you get into your body so you can start to attune to the information that your body has for you. Again, I'll clear my space and then I put up protection. And I might have to clear my space again and again throughout the day. Even if you're if you're on a bus in San Francisco and you're, you know how many things you may have picked up that you didn't realize? Okay, when I get where I'm getting, I'll just clear that off and continue back in my center. So, th- and those are a few ways that you can also then maintain that curiosity of where am I now? Am I being impacted by something else? 
Because oftentimes we're not bringing our awareness to that. We're just going about the motions, going about the motions. And then all of a sudden we've blown up at somebody and we don't know why. Maybe we were carrying some stuff that wasn't ours. So really, I think the most important tool we have is our self-awareness and pausing so you can see, have I been impacted? Am I in a different place now? Did I maybe pick something up that wasn't mine? That's so good. I love it. I love it. That is so true as well, Green. Because I think about I think about my journey over the past few years and how my my perspective on energy has changed. Like, and I mean the energetic, I want to say the energetic, I don't even know what to call it, but just because I think their energy is multifaceted. I feel like there can be different components, but let's just say energetic components. And so I think about the beginning of my journey where I was very much in a space of like, I need proof that this thing is here and it's happening now. I'm like, drink the Kool-Aid. I'm all woo-woo. Like I'm all into it. But I think about different instances where, you know, like my spidey senses are are tingling, right? So whether I interact with a person, like, okay, recently I went down to dump the trash by myself in the garage area and there was a man down there and he looked so, I don't know, I don't know the man. He looked so creepy. And this is not to say that like tattoos are a creepy thing, but like he just had like, a lot of tattoos on his neck and he had this certain look, but there was also an aura to it. So I have tattoos as well, ladies. So I don't want to be, I don't want you to think I'm being judgmental, but there was an aura in addition to the way that he looked. And I, it stopped me in my tracks. Like I was so uncomfortable to even turn around and put the trash away. So I navigated it in the best way I could. But I think about energy, like what the energetic shift was from when I walked from, you know, the apartment down to the trash. I think about work situations I've been in when you know, I walked into a room and I was like, what the fuck is going on? Because I could sense the tension was so deep. And then I have a conversation with someone after and they're like, oh yeah, I'm beefing with that person or whatever. I'm like, oh, that explains it. So Gavreen, can we just kind of take a moment for folks that may be new to the journey of energy before, because I know you talked about some of the strategies that we can use, but for folks that maybe need to like get more bought into it, can you just talk about, I don't know, like validate the experience that we have with our energy and, and trusting our gut and our intuition before we dig in deeper into the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think you just led, you led in there with that gut. Like sometimes you have a gut feeling and it's not on paper what you think it would be. And in hindsight, that was the right decision, right? So just like everybody on your phone, you have a GPS system. Internally, we have a PGS system. It's your personal gut system. I found nothing to be more effective as far as steering me towards my truth. Now, if such a truth doesn't always mean easy. <laughs> it's not always the easy path. Sometimes it's going to ask of us. It's going to ask our growth. It's going to ask, and in your situation, maybe it was just about safety. But sometimes your gut system, you're, it's, it's going to tell it, it's to me, our intuition and our gut system is in service of our highest growth. I, I mean, I think we came here to, to, to work at life, not just, ride by it a little bit. And I mean, work in a good way. That might be healing. It might be growing. And so I think our intuition is in service of that. The, the thing we have to do is start listening to it. So most people, when they're young, I mean, think of how young we are, but we start getting into the constructs. Oh, that's what success looks like. Oh, that's what my life should look like. So we've kind of cut off. We stopped listening to our intuition a long, long time ago. And so we actually have to make the space to listen to that. So first thing to do, I'd start paying attention to what you say yes to and what you say no to. And who, who are you saying yes for? Are you saying yes for you? 
Are you saying yes because you think you should? If you're shooting yourself, that to me is a huge flag when it's coming from somewhere externally, meaning maybe a construct that you've subscribed to versus what it is that you want to be true. And again, at young age, we might have to do that because of our family unit, because of the culture we grow up in, because we want to be safe on the playground and not be made fun of or whatever the reason. We conform, we conform, we conform which was telling our intuition, hey, there's no room for you here because this isn't about authentic expression. This is about fitting in and getting on the train of this is what success looks like. So we have to, we have to tell it. First, I would just invite it. If you, want to, if you want more of a line of communication with your intuition, say, hey, sorry, I stopped listening. I, I want us to be back in connection. So start there and then give it room. So ask yourself, If it's a yes, why is it a yes? Who is it a yes for? Start understanding how you're making your choices and if they're actually supporting the most authentic version of yourself. Oh, okay. All right. So as you were responding to Terry's question, what came up for me is how you noted that like when we're little, we are taught to conform. We are taught to tell our intuition no, right? I know that there are a lot of parents who are listening. And I I can speak for my friends. And I know that my friends are trying to be more intentional with their parenting in a way that gives their children more Freedom allows their children to be their authentic selves in ways that we weren't allowed to be. What tips would you have for parents who want to encourage and nurture their children in listening to their intuition and honoring their intuition? Yeah, great question. And boy, I Parenting looks, I'm, I'm not a parent and parenting looks real hard these days for all the, all you parents out there. Thank you. So it sounds like at least the archetype parent that you're talking about is already trying to do the right things. So what I would bring the curiosity to in that, in, in that case is like, if you notice your kids aren't expressing them, if some, if there's a shift, they don't feel safe, then there's something going on. So let's go back. So fear and pain. Like they're in cahoots. They're like best friends, right? So let's say your daughter wants to express herself and wear something that doesn't fit the mold to school that day. And, and there's a bully and she feels embarrassed and shamed and rejected for wearing that. She's that. So pain, fear is going to come around and say to pain, I'm going to make sure you never feel like that ever again, ever again. And so then she's going to start to not express herself so much. She's going to make herself maybe smaller. She's going to fit in and wear things that aren't really true for her. So that over time becomes a pattern where she might not express herself in other ways in life. And so as a parent, what I think you can do is notice, hey, has my daughter stopped wearing that expressive clothing? If so, what was there something else going? If it's not coming from here, if we're encouraging her, then is there a setting in which she finds herself that she doesn't feel safe? We can't always control these circumstances that we find ourselves in. And we can at least navigate them from a place of, of conscious conversation. So even understanding if that was, if that was pain was inflicted, maybe help her so she doesn't have to carry that pattern her entire life. 
maybe explain that that was that moment and how best to resolve it there would be one place to start. Okay, so now I, I thought of a few scenarios. This is very good. So I, I have two scenarios in mind. They're very different, but I'm going to try my best to transition into them smoothly for you, lady, as the listener. Okay, so Green, my daughter, who we call on the podcast, Baby Z, who will be three very soon, probably by the time this episode airs, we have a swim class, right, that she attends. And they have something called, uh, they do like a Humpty Dumpty activity where they have the children on the side of the pool and they jump into the pool with their parents. And I caught my, I constantly am like catching myself as a parent when I have, because kids are, they're just so, I think they're just so smart these days. They have technology and the questions they ask them, just like, I don't know what to say. And so one day she didn't, she, she says, I don't want to do Humpty Humpty. She calls it Humpty Humpty. So she's like, I don't want to do Humpty Humpty. She doesn't want to jump off the thing. And so one day I was tempted to say like, well, your friends are all doing it. And I'm like, well, that's probably not the best example because I'm teaching her, like we're, we're, we're programming her. So I'd love to know just your opinion on, you know, if you have children and they don't want to do something that you want to encourage them to do, like she's clearly fearful about it, right? And she's fearful about sometimes like jumping in the water and putting her head in, but we want her to learn how to swim. And so I'm trying to find a balance between wanting to challenge her and then also wanting to support where she is. And it feels so challenging and so complex to be able to do that as a parent. So I'd love to just get your perspective. I know you said, I'm not a parent, but I just want to hear what your thoughts are. And then I have one more example. (laughs) For sure. Well, I mean, the place that I would go is actually curiosity. So understanding what is she scared about? I mean, those same questions of what is true and what am I telling myself is true? It's going to apply. She's got some scenario in her mind that she's afraid of because my guess is she's going to love that as soon as she does. it. So if you can actually lean in and understand, what are you scared of here? And I think your compassion and gratitude for her, those go hand in hand, right? So supporting her in that moment. I mean, I find when, when do people feel okay to explore their fears when they feel safe? Right. So whatever you can do to create safety for her in that moment. So it's not about pushing her in or making her do it. It's really what taking that time to pause, walk like actually understand what is she afraid about? If if she's willing to share, I know she's three, but if she's willing to give you enough, then I bet you can actually build the bridge to show her that that's might be something that she wants to experience, maybe with a slightly different framing. Reframing is very, very powerful. But there's something in that if you if she can share with you that I think would be your bridge through. That is so good. Thank you for that. So I'll lean into curiosity more. And then the other one, I know we were just talking about, you know, if it's a yes, right? Like if you say yes, why is it a yes? And that right there, I saw Dom and I both have a reaction of like, damn, that was a great question. <laughs> and so I think about situations even now at this big age where I say yes, but it's not a real, like it's not a yes in my gut, but I'm saying it either to appease someone. Sometimes I'm in certain scenarios where it's like more of a political yes, where I'm like, okay, I'm saying yes, but it's for like, it's a very strategic political yes. But I have, you know, various situations I've heard friends share where maybe there's like, let's give an example. There's a friend or there's someone that you were connected to and you, your gut is like, something just doesn't seem right within this relationship. Like, I don't really want to be in this friend connection anymore. And maybe you don't want to have a conversation. Maybe you're fearful about having a conversation, but this person is con- like constantly trying to connect. So if you want to be in a space where your yes is a complete yes, right? 
And they, this person's like, hey, I'm coming into town. I want to hang out. But you're like, fuck, I really don't want to hang out with them. What is? What would you recommend as far as like how to disengage with someone who is trying to continue a connection that you think is probably just, you're like, I'm, I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. So I personally, because I like messy places, I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not a huge fan of ghosting. I think whether that be friend, whether it be whatever it is, like I think human decency is like kind of gone by the wayside. So from an integrity perspective, whenever we can communicate, even if it's hard, you don't have to share specifically why. You can say, hey, you know what? I've shifted in my life and I'm looking for different things right now. And while I've valued this relationship at some time, like, my energies are going in a different place right now. I mean, there's a number of things that can be said, but I think first knowing what, what is your yes. And, you know, it's so interesting. Selfish is like this negative word. So, and I think it can be a healthy word. So I'm trying to come up with a new one. Maybe it's selfful. But like, what are you saying yes to for yourself? That's really, it's, it's not coming from a place of should. It's coming from a place of, of, wisdom of knowing that this is even for that moment or the path that you're trying to create for yourself i mean what you're speaking to jerry for those of your listeners watching like it's like depleting you i mean your whole energy was going in this was going back to using your body as a pendulum like we gotta listen to that and trust we have to trust ourselves and so yeah understanding that like maybe it's self-whole maybe we can put that word out there and then is there is there a way that I could communicate that doesn't have to be cruel or mean, but that really is in service of the best way forward for us both? Because look on the other side of that. No one wants to be with someone that doesn't want them around anyway. So there is a benefit, even though it's hard. Most of us steer away from hard conversations when I find truth is really valued on both sides, even if it's hard in that moment. Oh, okay. So even when it's hard in that moment, what practices would you recommend? Because I know you've mentioned grounding and meditation, but like in, like in that moment, when someone knows that they're, they have to have like, the friend sent that text message and they look at it and they have that visceral body reaction to all oh, shit. Okay, I got to respond to this like, oh, but I'm having all these feelings and I know I'm going to do the hard thing, right? What practices would you recommend that they engage in to kind of ground themselves before they respond? Because I think that oftentimes if we respond when we're having that initial visceral reaction, we may end up saying something that in, that is more hurtful or harmful than we intended it to be. Absolutely. So first, let's go back to the power of pause. Absolutely. If you feel like there is an emotional charge or trigger, probably not the best time to be react because in that moment, you're actually not responding, you're reacting. The key difference here is one is based in intentionality, responding, reacting is coming from that place of emotionally triggered and charged. So I think what you want to do is pause and then, and hey, I'm not telling you to not have that reaction, have that reaction. 
And maybe, maybe your first response, not in that text box, maybe in a separate, maybe in your notes app is what, what do you want to say from that place? Like say it. We don't have to silence it. Say it. That might not be the best thing to communicate or even getting you where you want to get with that person. But certainly if you're having a, a reaction to something, have your reaction, have it in a healthy way. So you don't have to throw your reaction at somebody. You can have that and then understand, wow, I'm, why am I so triggered by this? Because it has more information about you than it does about the person that may have brought that information in for you. Then I would connect to, so every time, and Terry knows this well with me, but every time that there's a, an interact, anytime there's any choice to be had, there's an intention to be, what is the desired outcome? What are you wanting? Are you wanting to each go separate ways? Are you want, are you wanting to walk away from this? Are you, my guess is you probably want the best for that person, even if you want to walk away from it. So, okay, from that place, then what's worthwhile to communicate? What, what needs to be communicated? What, what do you want to share with that person? Which probably isn't the same thing that got triggered. And both can coexist. To me, it's all about bringing intentionality to your experience of something, and then what you're actually wanting to put into the new experience going forward. This is so good. Thank you, Kareem. Dom and I are so conflicted, Kareem, because we want to do our fun segment with you, but we're like, wait, we still have so many more questions we want to ask. So we are going to, we are going to transition. We're going to shift up the energy of this conversation as difficult as it is to make this transition. We're going to do it. And because we recognize, appreciate, and celebrate the multifaceted woman, and we believe that it's okay to be bougie, classy, and ratchet, as you've seen, Gareen, because you attended our live show in Oakland, so you know what goes down <laughs> when it comes to the bougie-ness or the, the blatchetness. And so we believe that you can be elegant and dance to strip club music. So we want to invite you to the OU Blatchet segment. Do you take on the challenge? I do. <laughs> okay, so now that you've agreed, we're going to ask you three questions we're going to share three sentence completions and then we have three photos of you that we found online that were so difficult to find but we found three photos and we want you to choose a number out of one and three and then we want you to describe the photo once we show it to you and provide some context about the photo that we would not know just by viewing it for those that are only tuning into the audio and so that'll be the the OU Blatches segment so we'll ease into this we're going to ease in and the first question is, what is the best piece of wisdom or advice you've ever received? Well, the words I live my life by are looking at the lens of why is this happening for me versus why is this happening to me? So why oh. is this happening to me is very victim. It's very, it's, it's kind of a trap. Whereas why is this happening for me means that even those not so easy moments, there's a growth opportunity. There's something there. So that's really helped me reframe and always see a path forward and, and growth orientation. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And even though I want to ask you another question to dig into that, because that was such a beautiful answer, I'm going to pass it to Dom. I just had to say that. Oh, I had another question too, which you know what? Oh, we're going to keep it blatched over here. And you were at, the, like Terry said, you were at the live show. So you know how it goes down. This next question, Green, are you going to twerk or two-step? So before that event, <laughs> I would have said two-step, but because you guys pulled me off the wall and faced me, we did. I'll bear with you. 
Now at least it's finished. <laughs> yes, Dorian, that was such a highlight in life. Like us being at the live show, me over here twerking, looking next to you. We're twerking together. I'm like, yes, we're healing and we're twerking all at the same damn time. I love it. It's awesome. Yes. Okay, our third question for you, Green, is what's the sexiest item you own? I actually find the clavicle bone on women to be an incredibly sexy thing. And so I try to wear long earrings whenever possible. I know I'm not, I don't have my clavicle bone exposed for the show, but I try to wear long earrings to kind of bring the line of sight down to the clavicle and then where it continues, you know, goes from there. That is okay. What's so what's so fascinating is that <laughs> as as this interview was going on, I kept looking at the shirt that I'm wearing. So, lady, if you're if you are not watching, you need to get the audio because I kept looking at the shirt that I was wearing. I kept distracting myself, looking at my own clavicle throughout <laughs> the interview. So, you are so spot on about that being a a sexy part of the body. I love that. Okay. So now we're going to move on to our sentence completion. One question or topic I wish people asked me about more often is... The power of energy. Actually, what we were talking about before. And I love that I think more people are starting to tune to it because a lot more of my coaching sessions now involve conversations around energy, which I am loving. And I think it's an incredible... I think it's a tool for empowerment. The more people step into it, so I'm, I'm, I love that conversation. Yes, and I'm so happy we already covered that because we would have asked you more about it now. So this is perfect. And so let's see, Green. We're going to move on to our next sentence completion, and this one is the most embarrassing thing I've ever done to get my crush's attention is the worst thing I ever did when I was in high school was I started smoking. So that I could go after a guy that was smoking, which was a terrible decision. And quitting smoking, I promise you, is the worst thing you ever have to do in your life if you have to do it. So that was definitely the hardest, the, the worst thing I did for a crush. Oh, I, oh, the long lasting impact. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Green, what I love most about myself is that I like to go to the messy places with people, the shadows, this, the places people are uncomfortable in. I mean, to me, I think they're the richest places I've found where people connect to their truest selves and to each other. So yeah, I'm a Scorpio and I like the shadows. And just an FYI, two of my favorite people in the world I'm chatting with today, and you both happen to have the same exact birthday. Just wanted to put that out there in addition to being Scorpio. So just one thing. We do? Yeah, you do. Oh, wow. Oh. 24th, right? 24th, that's, that's awesome. right. August. <laughs> and I'm right on the cusp. I almost made it with y'all, but November 23rd, I'm like almost there, but it's all good. I'm just going to go right along with the photo that we have, Green. So if you could choose a number, she's like, what is this? If you can choose a number, Green, out of one and three, what number would you choose? How to go with two. Gotta go with two. Okay, let's follow that. I think you're gonna like this one. Okay, give me one second. I'm gonna move the screen around. Oh, yay. Okay, cool. So Green, if you can describe the photo first and then give us some context about the photo that we would not know by looking at it, 
That would be amazing. It's going to pop up on the big screen in just one second here. Oh, the suspense. What's happening? <laughs> okay, we're going to try this one more time. The technology of it all. Okay, let's try. Here we go. Oh my gosh. I was up in Mount Shasta and I climbed one of the peaks, not the mountain Mount Shasta, but one of the peaks on the mountain. And whenever you climb to the peak of a mountain, there's always a like a container where you can sign the books that you've climbed to the peak. And so that was how did you guys I didn't even know that was out there. But yes, that was climbing one of the sub peaks of Mount Shasta. That's so cool. Thank you, Gordon. We definitely did. We searched far and wide for pictures, but we got to find a picture for the segment. So thank you so much for playing along with us, Korean. We appreciate you. And, you know, you mean so much to me and, of course, the podcast because of, you know, just how you've influenced conversations. And, you know, we've had you on the show before. So we just want to thank you so much. And if you could just let our listeners know what's exciting you these days, what are you working on these days? How can they support? Give them the, the rundown. Yeah, so I'm actually working on publishing a book about fear, of course. So I'm super excited about it. And it's quite the process for those of you that have ever published a book out there. That's off. It is, it is, it is a complex process, but I'm super excited. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That is so fascinating. I can't wait until this book is out. Okay. So of course, we're going to have to have you back on to talk about the book. And so I know that our listeners, after hearing you today, they're going to go back one and listen to your first appearance on the podcast. And then two, they're going to want to connect with you. So how can our listeners connect with you? So you can find me on LinkedIn or my website, which is Forage, which is courage with an F dot I-O. So forage.io or Gurian Thai on LinkedIn. And I look forward to connecting with more of you. Thank you so much, Gurian. Thank you, guys. It's awesome to be here again. And I just, being at your live event was such a gift to see the community in action. I mean, for you guys, it's interesting. You don't see everybody. And being in that, I mean, I was brought to tears multiple times to just talk about empowering, to watch how, how you are helping women empower themselves. But being in that room with so many people and the community, I mean, from season three to season 21, I really just thank you guys. Thank you for your commitment to staying with this. Thank you for being in service to what you're in service to. It's beautiful. And you guys are a gift bringing this. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Please note that our show may contain conversations about self-help, advice, self-empowerment, and mental health, but is by no means meant to be a substitute for an ongoing formal relationship with a trained mental health provider. If you or someone you know is in need of mental health care, please visit the Therapy for Black Girls directory, Psychology Today, or contact your insurance provider. If you liked what you heard and want to keep the conversation going, visit our website at herspacepodcast.com and be sure to click the Patreon tab to get access to video content, bonuses, and our weekly after show. And before we meet again, repeat after me. My thoughts create my reality. 
Today, I choose thoughts that empower and uplift me.